Facebook Bits podcast brings you Stephanie Grace, author of the book, Creating Real Happiness A to Z, a mindful guide to discovering, loving, and accepting your true self. Stephanie's also a professional counselor with 21 years of experience counseling individuals and couples using her unique blend of psychology and spirituality. She specializes in treatments of adults struggling with anxiety, depression, and weight loss. Stephanie, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. No worries. Now, first off, first question, who is Liv? Oh, Liv is my, my daughter. Yeah, Olivia Grace. So she did the, the, um, the pictures in here and I dedicated the book to her. Yeah, so that's um, my, my daughter. Yeah. <laughs> also, my, um, my very close friends have a daughter named Liv and she's six and she's just the sweetest little thing. So when you dedicated the book to Liv, I thought it must be your daughter. Anyway, jumping in, I'd normally ask a question uh, to authors, you know, talk about your background. Uh, did you go to school? Uh, where'd you go to college? And what did you do after that as well? But the book I read, which you wrote, which I know is coming out very soon, Creating Real Happiness, you start off with a punch in the face story and it's called My Path to Self-Discovery and Acceptance. I'll just talk a little bit. You talk about your earliest memories of being alone. Can you do something a little bit different and do a book reading and uh, read sort of page one or two for me and just tell us about this particular upbringing with your path to self-discovery and acceptance? I would love to. Let's see. So here's my, my path to self-discovery and acceptance. My earliest memories are of being alone. I didn't have parents who were capable of loving me. My biological father was an alcoholic and a drug addict, and when I was two years old, he decided to leave my mother. This caused her to flee to Las Vegas and abandon my two older sisters and me, leaving us with my father and his new girlfriend, who would soon become his wife. I only saw my mother briefly two different times during the next five years. My dad and his new wife were deep into their addictions, so I endured a life of neglect and a lack of love. My two older sisters assumed the majority of my care, but they were not equipped to care for me as they were children themselves. They've told me they were haunted by my being alone in my crib, wailing for human contact that first year. This set the stage for me in terms of learning that my needs were not important and that I was not worthy of love or care. When my father's marriage dissolved five years later, I was handed off to my biological mother, whom I didn't know at all. Even though my stepmother hadn't been available or capable of caring for me, she had been the only mother I had known. Having her walk out of my life without a second glance was horribly painful to me, and it was the second abandonment from a mother figure that I experienced. I was heartbroken by that loss. I would soon come face to face with my mother's mental illness, and the remainder of my childhood would be wrought with confusion, mental abuse, and still more neglect. Well, I'll stop you there because um, you, you go on talking about from you know childhood with adults. But yeah, I read that, and I've got a one-year-old daughter, and I just pictured you know like wow, that was like a punch in the face for me as well. What do you feel reading that, and looking back now on you know we'll unpack how it all sort of unfolded for you as well, but. What's your thoughts or feelings about those particular early memories? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've obviously done a, a lot of work on, on this, <laughs> but it's still painful even to, you know, to, to go back there and, and explore that. And, you know, being a mother myself, it's just, it's so painful that, you know, to have parents that couldn't give you the, the love and, and care and to make you feel like, Oh my goodness, you are so lovable and worthy. We want to nurture and care and do all the fun things that, you know, parents do and that I was able to do for my daughter, you know. Um, 
So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard piece, but I also feel grateful. I really do in the sense that I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be who I am. Who knows what, what would have happened had I had a different path, but I am just like so passionate and just like such a voracious seeker. And I just, my life's calling is healing people and helping people to know that even if you come from a background like mine, it doesn't matter. You can still find true love within yourself. You can still be happy and successful and have everything that you desire and deserve. It doesn't matter how far you've come. Some of the notes while reading the book really triggered for me was you're an alchemist. You literally turn shit into sugar. <laughs> you turn the shit situation and that, you know, reading on through the book and finishing the book, you're literally like a bit of an angel. Like you're literally how you transformed and i'll read on a little bit as well so i'll read sort of um the the next part you talk about coming from a childhood with adults who didn't know how to love themselves let alone others especially their children left me feeling unlovable and empty but you learn to get attention through achievement and by being really really good these elements would come to drive you uh, find yourself looking for loving people who could not love you back and who were not available as well. This was become a cycle for you, which would confirm your beliefs about yourself, that your needs were not important and that you were unlovable. And because you spent most of the time alone as a child, you became terrified of being alone. But this is where it gets interesting. Ironically, in order to learn to love yourself, you had to learn to be alone with yourself. Uh, you did everything you can to avoid being alone. You got married young, and when the marriage failed, you took up drinking like it was your life purpose. I'd love to get into that as well. I literally just finished drinking alcohol for 22 years. I was drinking alcohol, not full-time like it was my life purpose, but you know, I really have been five months uh, on the wagon, so I nipped that in the bud. And it wasn't until you let go of drinking and you began to truly spend time with yourself that you realized that you've been afraid of who you were and that you didn't really know yourself at all. This is how your French, my friendships with my true self became, which is great, we're getting to that, and slowly, one step at a time, you grew to love yourself. Through your self-discovery, you learned that you were indeed worthy of love, and that your needs were most important, and the more you grew to love yourself, the more other people were willing to love you as well. I can continue, but let's unpack that. What are your what are your sort of reactions to, to what I just read through there is anything you want to unpack or expand on yeah i mean it is ironic isn't it in the sense of just like how you know developing a relationship with, with yourself is sort of the the key to everything and and learning to to love yourself and and being fearful of that and you know that being the key it's just it's so interesting and it's it's also interesting how you know, we see what is in our conditioning. So it's like, even though I had people who wanted to love me and were willing to love me, I couldn't see them because I didn't think I was lovable or worthy of love. So, and you know, until I understood that I was worthy and of love and lovable, then only could I, I see that and get it. You know, it's almost a cruel thing that happens, isn't it? That we can't get it until we we, we, we know it or have it. Thank you for sharing unpacking. Yeah, absolutely. I want to jump into sort of how you were drawn to spirituality your whole life and how you were uh, vicariously reading spiritual books nonstops since your late teens. This is what I did. So from 19, I started to devouring books and especially spirituality books. And I was on that train in that wagon uh, early on going back like 17 years and I haven't stopped. It's just evolved. Can you talk about that and how that sort of unfolded with uh, education on spirituality? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I just I as early as I can remember, I mean, before I even left home to start reading, I just felt like I had this seeking within me of just like just such curiosity about spirituality. Like when I would go to school and I would learn that people like went to church or youth group, I would just be like, oh, can I come? And I would ask questions. And then once I finally, you know, left home and sort of had more control, I just was always picking up, a, a, you know, the latest book on some, you know, Buddhism or spirituality or Wayne Dyer, who knows? It was just every, I was just so, so curious. And I think, um, you know, it was within me. I think my, in a way, my soul speaking to me about who my, my, my truth was helping to guide me toward, you know, what, what my reality really truly is. It was what helped me to begin to learn that what happened to me as a child in my conditioning wasn't my truth. So it was like my internal guide, you know, moving me toward spirituality so I could learn my truth. You know, I had to start, I just had that within me and that was my guide really. Yeah, and one thing that really spoke to me reading the book was talking about conditioning the ego and especially your upbringing. A lot of people, once you get dive into spirituality, they sort of try to teach you what the ego is, but it's basically a self-defense mechanism and your ego would have been, you know, self um, defending yourself really young so you would have seen the conditioning from your upbringing and how that shall and then unpacking that and really going through so spirituality isn't about adding things it's about subtracting things and taking away those outer exteriors or those those strong masks that we all carry around our, ourselves as well so can you talk about sort of your experience on conditioning the ego unpacking your past and how that transformed into finding your true self on the other side of it and also the blessings of that is joy and happiness yeah yeah i mean that that is you know i able to discover that on my own through you know um reading and meditating and all these things and it, it is my life's mission to help people understand that the conditioning we get from the outside world from our parents and and society isn't our truth and you know, understanding that is is our key to being happy because if we're walking around thinking that the conditioning, the messages that we get from our parents and the world is our, our truth and, you know, then we, it's really hard for us to be happy or, or believe or know what our truth actually is. And the thing is, we we all are born knowing that we are lovable and worthy of love and that we deserve exactly what we desire but that gets covered up like you were saying it's like it's not in it's 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 not gaining something it's it's uncovering something but what happens when we get when our parents can't show up for us the way we need for example like mine we we can't help as children but think there's something wrong with us or that we there, we must be lacking in some way. And then as you say, our ego develops to protect us. So it's like, okay, you better put that need away. You better act this way in this, in this company. You better be really smart or do these things really well to get love and attention, right? And so it's like, we get all these messages and then we start acting in this way or believing in this way that, and we think we have to be that way in order to be lovable or worthy, but really, it isn't true. And so, you know, once we can understand that that isn't our truth, we and we can be free from that conditioning, that that's how we can begin to feel, you know, happy and, and at peace. But it is a lot of it is a lot of practice and work to 
to get to there. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of work and the way I see it or the way I've sort of came to label it recently is what we call ego scripts and ego loops. So we find ourselves in these scripts or these daily loops. And if we look at it externally, like a doctor examining the patient, we can see, you know, what is the true self? Like, what are you actually doing? Is it in alignment with your values, your true self, or is it for ego satisfaction or ego is another word for past as well? Are you holding on to the past and not letting the future, the future is always there. And the reason we call it the future, because it's not yet, but the future is just that other door on the other side. And you can access the future straight away once you let go of the past because you can walk into the unknown. So that's another ego script where we're scared or fearful as well. But dropping these labels and these scripts and these loops and walking into new loops or creating or designing your loops as well. I find this all very fascinating as well. But it comes back to something you wrote in the book and I'll just read it. You talk about getting to know your true self. You're born into a physical body as a non-physical being which you may know as the soul or the highest self. And throughout the book, you refer to non-physical aspect of ourselves as our true self. And when you first entered the human body, you were aware of your true self. And we can see it in kids. Like we can see this light, this my one-year-old daughter watching her grow this year has been crazy because you can see that there's this, this angelic light about her. But you knew you were a divine perfection and that you were nothing but love and goodness. And But once the conditioning from the outside world begins, you start to lose touch with your true self. And this is where I think the ego forms, and this is the outer protection of the shell, uh, likely to begin to question your goodness, and then you have to, then you felt unlovable, and that there was something wrong with you in some way. That makes sense. Is there anything you want to expand on that before? No, but I just love how you brought up your your daughter and just how you, you can see it in kids before the, the conditioning comes in, you know, just how they're, free to just be silly and expressing, you know, what, what comes naturally to them. They're just laughing and enjoying life. And it's it, one of the things that I've found, like the more enlightened or aware I become, the more childlike I become, you know, it's like you just sort of become more, more able to just be free and enjoy like kids, right? <laughs> Absolutely. More spontaneous. And I'm a big kid at heart, so I've sort of never lost that as well, but I don't know if that's got to do with just never growing up like Peter Pan or just getting into spirituality at a real young age and sort of doing my own thing and playing my own string. Um, I like how you structured the book as well. So you talk about creating real happiness A to Z and you literally go through A to Z of some of those practices. We'll start from uh, number one, you talk about affirmation. Everything's an affirmation. What you choose to wear, eat, think, or buy is an affirmation of your inner self. For example, the, if you're choosing clothing because it makes you feel good and celebrates your personality, or are you using it to hide yourself, believing that your body is shameful? Can you expand on affirmations for me? Yeah, I mean, exactly what I'm saying is I think that, you know, what are you affirming about yourself? What are you affirming about life? So it's like what you're, you know, what is happening internally gets expressed externally. And so I wanted people to begin thinking about what, what they want to affirm about themselves, what they want the world to know about them, 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 about them, right? And so just kind of beginning to explore that if you, you know, want, want to be somebody that, you know, is expressing like joy and love, you know, you, you want to think about how you're affirming that in life. Do your actions and choices in life 
match that, you know, so if you're feeling that way, but then you're always focusing on what isn't working or, you know, what, what you don't like, then that isn't going to be a match. Right. It's, it's one of the things of just sort of growing older, the more you realize why you do or why you've done things in the past, maybe that you shouldn't have, or you, you look at the reasons. And that's another reason you can look to the future and say, you can, there's, there's no such thing as a, a stop. It's more of a, not, there's no such thing as a brick wall. It's more of a corner take a left or take a right and you can change the way that you used to do things as well this is why i find this all very fascinating uh jumping into the next a there's a few a's there you talk about appreciation and awareness as well but appreciation fill yourself up by being an appreciator of life and awareness awareness happens in the present moment and always coming back to they talk about the breath or come back to the present moment present moment is all you've got so just being present with that moment I think that's the, the breakdown of the words. Is there anything you want to expand on either appreciation or awareness? Yeah. I mean, the awareness piece about being present is, you know, is that's the only place we're actually free. You know, like you were talking about earlier in the, in the future, if we're worrying about the future, we're feeling anxious. If we're dwelling in the past, we're feeling depressed. And so we are truly free in, in the present. And when we're present, you know, the, the, where so much joy is, is to be had when we're just right there with, with what's happening and, you know, we're not preoccupied by, by the future or, or the past. Um, and then the appre appreciator piece, you know, that the, is similar to what I was just talking about. It's, it's remembering that what you think about becomes your reality. And so if you're focusing on what isn't working or what you don't like, that is what you're going to see. So if you shift toward you know, what's working, what you're grateful for, what you want to have happen, then that shifts, you know, your outlook to feeling better and more positive and opens you up to getting what it is that you, you want for yourself. The, the shift is crazy. Like when you spoke about Wayne Dyer before, I studied Wayne Dyer for decades and I love his books, you know, you'll see it when you believe it and all the other, you know, dozens of books he's done as well, uh, which is crazy, but we could do a whole episode just on just on Wayne Dyer's philosophy, which is great. Uh, about belief, the next one. So your beliefs, beliefs shape your reality, which we all know. Uh, but one of the great notes I got from it was ego has a need for things to be evidence-based. When we are operating out of ego, it feels hard to believe in something that we can't actually see or prove in that moment as well. I just want to go on a quick tangent. So I'm actually in the, not the truth movement, but I've been um, interested in conspiracy theories for about 20 years, so longer than I have books. And I'm always interested when you actually present information to other people that might never heard something before, their knee-jerk reaction is based off ego and their own belief which not looking at the data and I have no, I'm not held to beliefs. Once I understood beliefs, I really just dropped them. So I don't have a belief. I'm happy to be on all sides of the coin, but it's very interesting to see how people's ego holds up belief. And when you said about ego has a need for things to be evidence-based on how we play out our life based on evidence, which is the past. And we don't think about things that we can't actually see or prove in that moment, which is, what what are we envisioning? What do we want from the future? Is there anything you want to expand on beliefs? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's really, I mean, here's one of the ways that I like to think about beliefs. It's like, there's a lot of things we, we don't know or we, we can't prove, right? And so it's sort of like, well, then why not believe what makes you feel the, the best? What, may, what resonates with you? What makes you feel, you know, the, the most joy and, and peace? 
because it's like really when it comes down to it that's what matters the most it's not what anybody else thinks it's it's what it's about what what makes you happy and what you know what creates the best life for you and so i think cultivating beliefs that that match that for you you know that help you to have your highest best life for you to be your highest best self and to figure out what that means for you not what it means for anything external that's right yeah and a lot of people think you know spirituality and self-development or self-help or personal development is selfish because it does start with self and personal but unless you um, until you're the very best version of yourself or that you can be, you really can't create a circle of influence of positivity outside of you. And we can see this, the opposite is true. When someone's negative, they affect everyone in that negative cycle from, you know, parents, you know, unfortunately bringing up unhealthy negative kids because they're negative. But we can also see the opposite's true as well. But yeah, I do believe that everything starts with self. A little quote you put in the book as well, you talk about, we don't see things as they are we see things as we are. Is there anything you want to unpack on that before I jump into breathing? Yeah, I mean, that that is sort of talks of, you know, kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning in terms of like my childhood, how it's like, what what you've been conditioned to believe is then what you see. Like, you know, there was a time where I really, because I had been taught I was unlovable, then I really believed I was un unlovable, right? It's that same thing in terms of, um, you know, what, what we really, um, what is in our mind is, is what we will project out into the world. What, what will be, that will become our reality, our perception. And so we want to work with that in terms of if, if we don't like what we're seeing, then we can begin to explore, Ooh, well, maybe I can begin to shift what's happening in my mind. Maybe I can begin to explore what's going on in there. And sometimes we might not know. And that that's the place that you can start. You can start to, you know, explore what's happening in there. <laughs> Best place to start is to get curious. So if you start to get curious on things, that's where real sort of magic begins as well. Jumping into breathing, the next in the A to Z, we're not going to go through all Z because we'll be on here for a couple of hours, but uh, breathing uh, equals life. Can you give us a little tip on breathing? Yeah, well, you know, your, your breath can really ground you. And um, I always use that technique with my clients where I have them put one hand uh, on their heart and one hand on their belly. And, and the reason why I do that and why I teach that is your own hands are very healing and comforting. And so just placing them on your body, just that alone can feel comforting and grounding. Um, but then that gives you a way to bring your attention to your body. Uh, and then you can feel your chest right, rising and falling, you know, which helps you to focus on your breath. You can feel your belly rising and falling. And so just taking a moment to, you know, tune into your breath, tune into your body. And what it really does is it brings you back to the present moment and it grounds you and it brings you right here, right now where you're free. You know? I started to experiment with breathing the start of the year and on a bit of a health kick with giving up the alcohol and yeah, doing some Wim Hof breathing, you can actually change your state by just working with a breath, which is free, ever-present, always there. It's just when you tune into it, uh, especially the breath. Like I've got some friends who do conscious breathing, and at the start it looks a little bit weird, but literally from breath can change everything. But before breath, the next one in C, you talk about consciousness. Who am I? Who is watching the one who asks, who am I? Consciousness means to be awake, and I like how you talk about 
you know, finding out your true self using consciousness, but always doing that without judgment or criticism. Can you talk a little bit about consciousness and, you know, finding who your true self is without judgment or criticism? Yeah, you know, that that happens, I believe, just by being willing to spend time with yourself. You know, the more you spend time with yourself, and I think the best way is through meditation, but that's how we get to understand who's beyond our thoughts, who's beyond our thinking. And the, you know, that I that is in there, that stillness is is you. And my favorite thing to say, uh, quote, is, is what would it be like to be me without judgment? And that allows us to be humans here on this earth, exploring without it being right or wrong or good or bad. It's just like, we're just here experiencing life and it doesn't have to, the only reason, the only person that makes it like not okay or good or bad is our thinking. Right. And so we can really free ourselves up to really love and accept ourselves if we're willing to just, you know, allow ourselves to do it without judgment. I don't know if you did it deliberately, but every letter or word that comes next in the category just sings from the next one as well. So, which is courage, C for courage. So you, you talk about, you know, having the courage means to take small steps forward in spite of our fear. So talk about, you know, the difference. We all experience fear. And courage is on the other side of fear as well, as well. But I like to talk about walking through your fears and also working through your fears as well, because on the other side of fear uh, is everything, and a lot of people need to push through. So, is there any experiences or anything you can talk about, or even clients you've worked with, where you know being able to use courage to to transform their life a little bit? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I, I like to tell people is that we, we understand the different kinds of fears. Like we know if we're in danger or if the fear is about, um, you know, just being reaching our comfort zone. And so what I like to say is that if, if it's that kind of fear, then we can shift our mindset and begin to get a little bit excited when we feel fear, because it means that we're pushing right up against our comfort zone. And it means that we're about ready to level up or, or grow in some way. And, you know, we, we have to remember that you, nobody who does anything great or fantastic does it without fear. So we're in great company. It's just like a normal thing that we have to teach ourselves to tolerate in order to reach the places that we want to be able to reach. Yeah. And we will go through cycles in life where things will be easy and some things will be hard as well, but we have to consciously again get in touch with our consciousness our breathing self-awareness on seeing the roadblocks that we face or those things that we can't even see because they're so close to us like in the coaching methodology they talk about you can't see the end of your nose or you can't see the picture when you're in the frame so to speak similar to years we might have our fears they're so close to us that we actually associate our personality with our fears like, oh, I'm, I'm scared of public speaking or I can't do this. And there's such an in, uh, inbuilt belief that other people can see clearly that these are just things you're holding on to. And really courage is about facing these things, walking through them, working through them and uh, using you know self-love, acceptance, non-judgment to use courage to overcome them and, and get through it. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. That's just my take on it. Uh, creativity. Uh, I love creativity. And you talk about Pablo Picasso's famous quote, which says, every child is an artist. The problem is how to remain an artist once you grow up. The problem is how to remain an artist once he grows up. Is there anything you want to um, add on to that? Yeah. 
I, I just feel like creativity is an important aspect of all of us and we all have it. It's just, you know, it's just unique for each of us. And I, I really feel it's an important aspect in terms of us having joy and, and not um, feeling like our lives are stagnant or, or boring. And so I think that it's just everyone recognizing that what is true for, for each of us is, is unique in terms of our creativity. And unfortunately, I think a lot of times our society and schools and things like that make people feel like being creative is very specific. Like, oh, you have to be able to draw or paint or it can be, you know, you can be creative in so many ways. And so I encouraging people to explore the different ways in which they can be creative. You know, it's like gardening or I, I think I put down and one of the ways in which I feel I'm very creative is just somebody who thinks outside the box you know that's how i'm often very creative is i come up with all kinds of interesting ideas to interesting problems you know and that's creative but i'm sure most people would think you know in their mind that it's like oh creativity has to do with art you know the thing is you know a genius we're all born a genius and we all squiggle outside the lines give a kid a pen a text and my kid draws on the whiteboard but squiggle outside the line but we we get taught to write straight lines we get taught to, you know, curse, spell, and these things sort of box in our creativity. And by the time we, we reach 18 years of education, that we're all the substandard. We're genius. You were all a genius behind the scenes. And what we have to do is spend the next 18 years unpacking that and realize that we've been, to, we've actually, our genius has been suppressed. Anyway, I could do a whole podcast on that. But uh, next one you talk about is, is Dharma. What is Dharma for people listening out there? It might sound like a Buddhist term, but what is your definition of Dharma? It's like, uh, you know, your, your purpose, essentially, you know, kind of like um, what your life's purpose is. The, the, a lot of times, like the, the work that you do for, your, for yourself, right? And it doesn't have to be, your life's purpose doesn't have to be the work that you do. I often think that we are our life's purpose, you know, like finding our truest highest best self can be your your life's work right uh, and i think a lot of times people sort of get uh, caught up in um purpose and feeling like it has to be like their their career and it has to be very specific but i think that you know it, it can really it, it's very unique and varies from person to person and i think it's based on you know what what is true to you? Part of that, like we were talking about earlier, is getting to know your true self and being willing to trust and honor and follow that. But what happens is sometimes from our conditioning in society, we kind of get caught in feeling like we have to go a certain path, like we have to go to college, we have to get this job, we have to do it. But it, it doesn't necessarily have to look like that, right? Correct, correct. It's so interesting that you say that, that we're so quick to judge others' lifestyles or plans, but we very rarely can actually authentically communicate our deepest life purpose and dharma. I did a book summary yesterday on The, the Will to Many by Viktor Frankl, who put it all in very psych, psychobabble terms, but it was basically like the, the will to meaning is, if you're questioning the will to meaning, that is the meaning meaning like it's it's such a just a paradox but anyway moving forward talking about wayne dyer one of the great uh, chapters he wrote was faith and i have to read wayne, wayne dyer's quote if you knew who walked beside you at all times on the path that you have chosen you would never experience fear or doubt again can you talk about faith for me 
Yeah. Well, what I believe is that I believe we are all divine. We are all connected that, you know, we are something way beyond our physical body. And I, I think if we, we can recognize this and accept this, then we understand the, the power of, of who we are, of what we're able to to create and how connected we we all are. You know, we could we can really uh, uh, appreciate that. But I think sometimes we get caught in thinking that we are just our our physical body, and and then that really limits us to to that and the you know and the and the ego. Definitely, I think I like you talk about forgiveness is really all about you and holding on to the feelings such as anger, resentment, and pain only hurts you. And it's about taking care of yourself by releasing these negative emotions. Talk a little bit about forgiveness and especially, you know, your upbringing and, you know, how you forgave. What were some of the tips or tricks or things that people can take away with? How do we forgive when we don't want to forgive? You know, when you tell someone, oh, you need to forgive to let go of that. And they're like, no, nah, not doing that. But how, how, do we, how, do, how do we do that? Like, what's the process? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing that it often comes up with my clients where people feel like when I say forgiveness, it, it people feel resistance because they think that that means that if somebody abused them or, you know, didn't show up in the way they wanted them or needed them to, that it means that it's okay. But it doesn't mean that. What, what, it, what forgiveness is about is freeing yourself up from the negative emotions that you're holding in your body. And so if we can shift forgiveness to be about you, about self-love, about you being as happy and free as possible, then that makes it a little bit easier. But I mean, I, I think that one of the most important aspects of being able to forgive is first your own work. You have to first know that you are lovable and worthy and accept yourself because when once we can do that, then it's easier for us to detach from other people. It's, it's easier for us to understand that people's behavior isn't actually personal. So people show up the way that they do based on their conditioning and their life experiences. And so if we can understand that then and begin to understand that how they treat us or what they do isn't really about us or personal, even though I know it feels like it is. But until we know that we're lovable and worthy, then it, it's, it's hard to feel like, well, if they, you know, if they loved me or if I, you know, all these things, then they, they wouldn't treat me that way. Or it, it's not about you. It's, it's not because you're not lovable. It's not because you're not worthy. It's, it's about them. Right. And then we can go to the piece of sort of, you know, empathizing or questioning. And I know this one's hard, but it's like, how, why do they show up that way? What was their, their childhood like? What was their experience like? Why do you think that they, they showed up for you in that way? Why, why couldn't they meet your needs? And that can sort of help people to, to understand who they are and, and why they couldn't show up. And then I think understanding it's not personal. That, that, those are all aspects of forgiveness. And of course, you know, this isn't something that's instantaneous, but those are kind of the steps, I think, for being able to forgive. Thank you for explaining that. As an Hawaiian forgiveness ritual, I'm going to stuff it up, so I'll let you stuff it up for you. <laughs> How do you pronounce it? Yeah, it's Ho'oponopono. Cool. And the, the simple steps is basically um, for forgiveness, you talk about, I'm sorry, I forgive you, I love you, and thank you. Can you expand a little bit on this Hawaiian forgiveness ritual? I actually had um, 
Joe Vitale on the show recently, and he wrote a book about this particular thing. I haven't read the book, but I'm interested to hear what this is all about. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's so powerful. I don't know if you could even just feel in your body sort of uh, kind of some peace or something when you said those words. I feel like it's so impactful. But I I have my clients use this when they're working on self-forgiveness or forgiving another. Um, You can really amp it up if you say, for example, you are doing uh, self-forgiveness, then do it in the mirror and look yourself in the eye, which is really powerful and make sure that you're actually seeing yourself when you look yourself in the eye. But the different aspects are, um, I'm sorry. And that is about, I'm sorry that I caused you suffering or I caused another person suffering. So I'm, I'm sorry for the suffering that you endured. Um, forgive me is about, you know, please forgive me for the, 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 the pain or the, the suffering that, that, that I caused you. Um, and then, um, I love you is like, I love you unconditionally regardless. And so it's like, you, you know, if we're talking about, um, self-forgiveness it's like i i love you regardless of you know that you've you've, what you've done before and it could be you know to that to if you're doing it for another person as well and then thank you is sort of signifying that it's already out there in the world this is taking effect it's happening it's it you know sometimes people say and so it is it's kind of like that thank you it's like acknowledging that this is going to happen it's also a ritual of letting go as well like forgiveness is all about just letting go of the 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 baggage and what has happened in the past and and moving on as well some of the last ones before we wrap up because obviously we can be for hours but we'll sort of recap i like the chapter you wrote about i am which is you know your conditioning has really created a lot i am not in your thinking can you talk about using the practices of i am like i am powerful beyond belief you know i am defining myself i am a holy expression and what are some of these practices in regards to I am, what's it all about? Yeah, I am is such a powerful statement. You know, it's it, interestingly enough, it's the only um, uh, name referred to as God in the Bible. I am it's interesting. Um, so, but I am is really a reflection of um, who you are, and it's really powerful. So you have to be really careful what words you put behind I am, and so. Um, you know, knowing how powerful it is, you can begin to monitor yourself and and shift your ways of thinking. If you have a you know have been doing a lot of what what you don't want, you can begin to shift it into what you do want. And so, um, like you said, if if you've been focusing on how you're you're failing, you know, you can shift it to I am successful. And, you know, I am strong, I am wise, whatever it is that you want to be true for yourself, it is a really powerful way to help yourself know that that is your your truth. Yeah, and we're all on the journey, and the journey is called yet. Like, you can't tell a child, like I, I asked my son yesterday, I took him to the park, and we sat down, he had a cookie, I had a coffee, we had a CC, and I said, you know, what do you want to be when you're older? And he went, I want to be at the park. And... <laughs> Because this is a beautiful concept because they're just in the present. And this is about like, I am here now. Dad, why are you thinking in the present? So it's just interesting learning from kids as well, uh, asking silly things. But yeah, there's, there's so much to take away from the power of I am. And probably the last one we'll wrap up on it, which is the scariest chapter of all you talk about. It's scarier than anything, which frightens me when I just read these two words. It's called mirror work. 
mirror work. You talk about mirror work helps you see your true self and love yourself unconditionally, and you found it to be one of the most effective tools that you you have used in your own life. What is it, and how can people sort of start now with mirror work? What's the first baby steps people can do, and what do we do when we look at ourselves in the mirror? What is this mirror work you talk about? Yeah, um, it's so funny. I love I love placing bets with my clients. Like I, I love saying because it's it seems yes frightening and also weird. And I love just saying like, okay, you know, if you're willing to do this for two weeks, I promise you're going to see a difference. If you do this every day for two weeks, I promise you. Let's make a bet. Okay, let's make. They'll make the bet with me, and then they come back and they're like, wow, this is amazing. I can't. I this really works. So. You know, basically what it is, is, is you're taking time to truly look at yourself, look yourself in the eye and really see into your soul or your heart. And you look, you, you look at yourself and you say, I love you, or you are worthy, or you are so lovable. You choose one that really resonates for you. Sometimes I have clients who can't say I, so they need to start with you because I feels too too um, untrue to them or scary. And so they might start with, you are so lovable. So something like that. And then if you want to try this at home, choose a statement that resonates for you. I would recommend something like, I love you, or you are so lovable and say it 10 times in a row, looking yourself in the eyes. And um, if you want to amp it, you can do it at night as well, but only you only have to do it one time a day and just do it for 10 times, 10 times in a row. So you just look at yourself in the eye and you just say, you are so lovable. You are so lovable. So I've just wrote a note down. I'm going to buy a mirror for my studio here because my wife would think I'm a bit weird. We're both getting ready in the morning in the uh, in the ensuite where I'm looking in the mirror going, I love you, I love you, I love you. She'd be like, what is he doing? So... <laughs> I guess the first start is to get some privacy, okay? Or the back of your phone, I've got one which is just an ace of hearts, which just means I'm an ace and I'm, I work from my heart. Anyway, it's a little code thing. But getting maybe a mirror on the back of your phone as well, that would be a good one too. Uh, yeah, that's just some of the tips I got from that. So I'm definitely going to buy myself a small little mirror and start this practice. I have a friend who's done this and he's talked about the power of it because he's a bit woo-woo and everything he does is a bit woo-woo, you sort of put it, and this is the thing in life, we, we categorize and label people, oh, they're just woo-woo, or, oh, he's crazy, or he's nuts, or he's a bit different, but not actually get into the essence of what they do, and it's so, the light is so powerful that we sort of, we don't want to get next to it because we know how strong it is, and because it dissolves, it dissolves things, dissolves things as well, so this is so interesting about our life gets to a stage where the first half of our life is about um, getting and then the other one's about shedding, a little bit like a snake. And it's like the more we learn, we're not learning things to grab onto, but we're learning things to unpack and shed. And I feel like this is where the you go on with the book as well. So many other great things. So tomorrow when it's listening out there, definitely go out and buy the book. Uh, everything about openness, pain, peace, practicing presence, quiet, receive, respect, self-love, trust, truth, unique, vacation, variety, voice, walking meditation. What is walking meditation? That's a good one. Let's 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 stop on this one. Yeah, walking. I I love walking meditation. It's especially helpful for my clients who feel frightened when I ask them to begin meditating. Because the thing, the nice thing about walking meditation is you're you're moving your body, so it's easier to quiet your mind. So you basically you're you're meditating while at the same time walking. And so an example of walking meditation would be: okay, I'm going on a walk up the street while I'm walking. 
I'm paying attention to how it feels as my feet move on the ground. I'm noticing the you know the elements do i feel the wind on my face is it sprinkling i'm noticing the bird sounds and then oh here comes my mind talking to me about dinner oh i'm back to focusing on the tree in front of me so it's like you're you're meditating but you're using your surroundings and you're moving your body trying to quiet your mind by just focusing on being very very present and experiencing the you know the elements and the surroundings around you Got it, got it. So like a conscious meditation walk without the dog and without the big headphones like I do and listening to a podcast and totally in my mind thinking I'm doing something outside as well. Got it, <laughs> got, it got it. And just the last one, which is really strange in the book, one of the chapters you talk about XO, XO, XO. What, do you, what is this chapter about? <laughs> This is just about love, right? This is just about <laughs> love, that love is the most important thing. That love is really what what it, it it's all about, right? And just just that that's really what what that was about. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, let's wrap it up there. Where can people find you, Stephanie? Where can they find the book as well? Connect with you personally and buy the book too. Yeah, um, I have a website which is stephaniegrace.com and just a reminder stephanie doesn't have an e on the end so it's just s-t-e-p-h-a-n-i and then grace g-r-a-c-e.com and then my instagram you can find me just by searching for stephanie grace with with an i no e yeah awesome awesome well i'll push you set yeah definitely recommend uh people listening to this to buy the book it will change your life a really cool guide reminds me of my book success in 50 steps how i broke you know personal development down into these easy chapters this really breaks down you know the a to z to happiness and 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 through there too so stephanie thank you for being a guest on the best book bits podcast and uh we'll catch up again soon uh thank you very much thank you so much for having me it was so fun to talk with you no worries it was a pleasure cheers Bye-bye.